Hey everyone, welcome back to Mistress Harley's Sexuality and Fetish Podcast. Today I want to talk about some of the strangest and most unusual requests I've received as a professional dominatrix. I think that this will give some insight into the diversity and spectrum of human desires. So, One of my first and most extreme requests was one of my earliest slaves from Germany contacted me and told me that they wanted to be feminized, that they wanted to be sissified. And of course, that is something that is a very common request. A lot of men want to be feminized for a variety of reasons. Some of them find it humiliating to be forced to put on women's panties or bras or clothes or lipstick or boobs or wigs. Now, I'm not even going to get into the fact that it's kind of offensive that men think it's humiliating to be a woman. It's not humiliating to be a woman. It's actually quite powerful. But our heteronormative society tells men that wanting to be feminized is somehow humiliating. My favorite quote, about this is from Iggy Pop, the famous godfather of punk rock, who said, I don't find it humiliating to wear a dress because there's nothing humiliating about being a woman. But other people want to be feminized for different reasons. They want to put on women's clothes because it makes them feel sexy. And oftentimes, that sexy feminine feeling leads them to want to explore non-heteronormative fantasies. And by that, I mean kind of coerced or forced gay interactions, forced by interactions. But this one slave from Germany, I could tell by the way that they were addressing the issue of feminization, that it seemed more like they were a trans or non-binary person. Because they didn't just want to be feminized, they also wanted a medical procedure procedure known as castration or oophiectomy, if you're in medical parlance. Now, some people might think this is insane. It's insane that this person wants to be castrated. But I'm from California. There are trans people everywhere. And to me, it just seemed that this person needed help with their transition. Sometimes I think about myself as a personal trainer for the sexually depraved. Because why would you hire a personal trainer to get fit when you can do push-ups and go for a run and do squats? all by yourself. You hire a personal trainer because that's a commitment mechanism. It's a mechanism that forces you to follow through with something that you might find to be difficult or scary. And having not just the support, but also a financial commitment to following through with this thing you want to do is actually what makes you do it. For example, if you pay a personal trainer $1,000 and then you don't go to the gym and you're losing money not going to the gym, that's a motivator that you should just go to the gym and do it. You've already paid for it. You want to do it anyway. You say you want to lose weight. There are all these things pushing you to do this thing that you said you want to do, but that the action of doing is difficult. 
So when it comes to transition, transition is something that I feel should be not just encouraged and facilitated, but there need to be transition specialists. And I consider myself a transition specialist by helping people transition from one gender to another. I actually feel quite fulfilled by that, by helping them realize their dreams. And of course, because of the kind of people I interact with, it's almost always men transitioning to women. And I like women better than men. So I actually think that it's an improvement to transition someone away from the male side of the spectrum. Now, this slave from Germany, they did not want to fully medically transition into being female. They are more on the NB side of the spectrum, meaning that they are more agendered, more fluid than the binary male and female. And that's okay, too. There are a lot of different kinds of gender expression. And mostly, I just thought, yeah, if someone wants to get castrated, I'm going to help them. (laughs) Have you ever cut off someone's balls? I haven't, but I was willing to help this person find the doctor that would do it and walk them through the process of getting all the documents they needed and making the plans to do this. So, Long story short, after some medical consultations, some psychiatric consultations, and some down payments, I held the hand of this person as they went from Germany to Mexico to be medically castrated. And they told me that they'd been thinking about this probably for 20 years. After the castration, they told me that their only regret was that they hadn't done it 20 years earlier. But obviously, they needed me, that commitment mechanism, to push them down that road a little bit, to hold their hand, to push them. However you want to talk about it, ultimately, the result is the same, which is that this person was able to have a gender-reaffirming surgery. And I don't think that this person in particular is done. I know that they would like to have other gender reaffirming surgeries in a non-binary fashion, meaning they don't want a vagina. They want to be agendered. Maybe smooth like a Barbie doll is a better way of describing it. So I sent them some references to doctors in San Francisco that specialize in those kind of procedures. And we're slowly walking down that path of getting them to the point where they can have a second gender-affirming surgery. So while this might be an unusual request, it's something I see over and over and over again in this fetishization of feminization. And a lot of people are using this fetish, yes, for sexual gratification, but other people use these fetishes to explore their gender identity. Identities. And that's something that I believe should be encouraged. There's no reason not to explore what makes you who you are. And some people have always been uncomfortable with the gender norms of Western society. 
Of course, if you have heard any of my interviews or my previous podcast episode, you've heard me talk extensively about financial domination. And financial domination takes many different forms. Sometimes the submissive just wants to take care of a woman, wants to make sure that all of her lifestyle needs are seen to. Other times, men feel like it's humiliating to be ripped off or scammed by a woman, and that is arousing to them. Some men also just want to be financially ruined because all of their self-worth is tied up in their financial well-being. So if you're seeking ego destruction, what better way to destroy the ego than to destroy the bank account? In our capitalist society, these things are linked. So it's very easy to take everything from someone and show them how worthless they are by taking all of their money from them. (laughs) But in terms of odd requests, I did have one sub who had several homes, a primary residence, a vacation home, and I think some kind of fishing cabin in the woods that I'm sure is really creepy. So he told me that he wanted to be financially ruined, to really be robbed of this great amount of money. So I told him to sell his vacation home for me. Yeah, he could keep the creepy shack in the woods, but the vacation home was in the keys and was worth about $1.36 million dollars. How do I know it was worth 1.36 million? Because that was the exact dollar amount that was transferred directly into my bank account after escrow closed. And of course he had to pay all the seller's fees, etc, etc. But when I received that 1.36 mil, I knew that he was for real. Now this is an unusual amount for a financial dominatrix to receive. I've actually never heard of anyone receiving a larger single tribute than 1.36. But, of course, there are a variety of ways that men express this type of fetishism. And a lot of guys just pay me $20 every day, $20 a day, $20 a day, $20 a day. And that makes them feel useful. It makes them feel satisfied that their money is going somewhere important. I feel that this is no different than tithing to a church or any other organization. The point is the person is purchasing the feeling of feeling good. By giving me their money, they feel good purchasing a feeling. The same way when people donate money to a charity, they're purchasing the feeling of having done a good thing. So while it was unusual for someone to sell their vacation home for me, I'm of course open to this arrangement. Sell your home for me, sell your cars for me, sell all your stuff for me. And the more extreme it gets, the more interested I am. But of course, there are even more unusual requests, unusual fetishes. When I first started out in this industry, I noticed that a lot of men seemed obsessed with the idea of me taking over their devices. And that's when I dubbed myself and trademarked tech dom, meaning the dominator of a high-tech device. And don't forget, ladies, that's my trademark. You can't use it. If you do, it's copyright infringement, and my lawyers will come after you. However, 
those requests actually vary. Some people want me to put parental controls on their computer and block them from all pornography so that they can only do the most productive things. Other people want me to make it so their computer can only be used for pornography. So every time they turn it on, they get turned on and, well, there's an inevitable outcome to that, isn't there? I use a lot of programs that force people to pay me to use their own computer or keyloggers that capture all of their passwords and personal information. And that leads into another very interesting fetish known as blackmail fetish. Now, because blackmail is an illegal act, I have rebranded blackmail fetish as information control. Because blackmail fetish has actually been banned on a lot of porn sites because of its association with this illegal act. However, information control is not illegal. If someone gives you all their information and then says, okay, if I don't do what you tell me to, you should release my information, that does not follow the legal definition of blackmail. That's an agreement for the control and publication of information. So blackmail fetish is really about taking someone's information and then using it for your own purposes, whether that's extorting them for money or, as I I previously mentioned earlier in this segment, making someone uh, dress up as a woman or even have sex with another man. There are a lot of ways to use information to control people. And I've used information control to make people lose 100 pounds, to make them gain 100 pounds, to make them give me lots of money, to make them sell all their stuff, to make them come out to their wife. And another strange request that I get a lot is the home wrecking fetish. If you're unfamiliar with home wrecking, that's where guys get really turned on by the idea that you might tell their wife or their girlfriend what they're doing. And if you're a male listening to this podcast, I want you to know that calling phone sex lines, uh, paying professional dominatrixes, engaging with sex workers, going to strip clubs, most women would consider that cheating. And most women would leave you if they discovered that you were doing these activities. I have really taken a different position on home wrecking. I feel that home wrecking is actually a service to the lady in question. Just like ripping off a Band-Aid, it might hurt for a minute. It might not feel good, but... By finding out that your partner is a pathetic loser scumbag, you can then make the decision to leave them. You now have the option to make different choices. When your partner lies to you about what they're doing and who they are, what they're effectively doing is stealing your choices from you. If you knew the truth, you might make different choices. So by hiding the truth, you're taking those choices away from your partner. So if a woman wants to stay with a guy who calls professional dom, 
moms and phone sex lines and is constantly watching gay porn. That's her choice. But to not tell her about these activities means you're really violating the trust. You're violating her ability to make choices. So I like homewrecking. I like telling women what their partners are really doing. And even though it might hurt them, I feel that it's a good deed because that allows them to make a better and more informed choice. I usually tell these women, you can do better. I tell them, your partner has been jerking off to me for years and years. Your partner has sent me $10,000, dollars $30,000, and you could really do better. You deserve better. And I've even had women thank me for telling them this information. So when a guy calls me and says, I want to be home wrecked. I want you to tell my girlfriend or my wife everything. And I say, okay, what's her number? They freak out because really it's a fantasy for most of these guys. They want to jerk off while they imagine how hurt and mad their partner is going to be. And if you drill down into that, It's a little fucked up that dudes are jerking off to the idea of making their girlfriends and wives cry. So I would rather give those girlfriends and wives the opportunity to be with someone that's less of a fucking scumbag. Hey everyone, welcome back to Mistress Harley's Sexuality and Fetish Podcast. Today I want to talk about some of the strangest and most unusual requests I've received as a professional dominatrix. I think that this will give some insight into the diversity and spectrum of human desires. So, One of my first and most extreme requests was one of my earliest slaves from Germany contacted me and told me that they wanted to be feminized, that they wanted to be sissified. And of course, that is something that is a very common request. A lot of men want to be feminized for a variety of reasons. Some of them find it humiliating to be forced to put on women's panties or bras or clothes or lipstick or boobs or wigs. Now, I'm not even going to get into the fact that it's kind of offensive that men think it's humiliating to be a woman. It's not humiliating to be a woman. It's actually quite powerful. But our heteronormative society tells men that wanting to be feminized is somehow humiliating. My favorite quote, about this is from Iggy Pop, the famous godfather of punk rock, who said, I don't find it humiliating to wear a dress because there's nothing humiliating about being a woman. But other people want to be feminized for different reasons. They want to put on women's clothes because it makes them feel sexy. And oftentimes, that sexy feminine feeling leads them to want to explore non-heteronormative fantasies. And by that, I mean kind of coerced or forced gay interactions, forced by interactions. But this one slave from Germany, I could tell by the 
the way that they were addressing the issue of feminization, that it seemed more like they were a trans or non-binary person. Because they didn't just want to be feminized, they also wanted a medical procedure known as castration or oophiectomy, if you're in medical parlance. Now, some people might think this is insane. It's insane that this person wants to be castrated. But I'm from California. There are trans people everywhere. And to me, it just seemed that this person needed help with their transition. Sometimes I think about myself as a personal trainer for the sexually depraved. Because why would you hire a personal trainer to get fit when you can do push-ups and go for a run and do squats all by yourself? You hire a personal trainer because that's a commitment mechanism. It's a mechanism that forces you to follow through with something that you might find to be difficult or scary, and having not just the support, but also a financial commitment to following through with this thing you want to do is actually what makes you do it. For example, if you pay a personal trainer $1,000 and then you don't go to the gym and you're losing money not going to the gym, that's a motivator that you should just go to the gym and do it. You've already paid for it. You want to do it anyway. You say you want to lose weight. There are all these things pushing you to do this thing that you said you want to do, but that the action of doing is difficult. So when it comes to transition, transition is something that I feel should be not just encouraged and facilitated, but there need to be transition specialists. And I consider myself a transition specialist by helping people transition from one gender to another. I actually feel quite fulfilled by that, by helping them realize their dreams. And of course, because of the kind of people I interact with, it's almost always men transitioning to women. And I like women better than men. So I actually think that it's an improvement to transition someone away from the male side of the spectrum. Now, this slave from Germany, they did not want to fully medically transition into being female. They are more on the NB side of the spectrum, meaning that they are more agendered, more fluid than the binary male and female. And that's okay, too. There are a lot of different kinds of gender expression. And mostly, I just thought, yeah, if someone wants to get castrated... I'm going to help them. (laughs) Have you ever cut off someone's balls? I haven't, but I was willing to help this person find the doctor that would do it and walk them through the process of getting all the documents they needed and making the plans to do this. So long story short, after some medical consultations, some psychiatric consultations, and some down payments, I held the hand of this person as they went from Germany to Mexico to be medically castrated. And they told me that they'd been thinking about this probably for 20 years. After the castration, they told me that their only regret 
was that they hadn't done it 20 years earlier. But obviously, they needed me, that commitment mechanism, to push them down that road a little bit, to hold their hand, to push them. However you want to talk about it, ultimately, the result is the same, which is that this person was able to have a gender-reaffirming surgery. And I don't think that this person in particular is done. I know that they would like to have other gender reaffirming surgeries in a non-binary fashion, meaning they don't want a vagina. They want to be agendered. Maybe smooth like a Barbie doll is a better way of describing it. So I sent them some references to doctors in San Francisco that specialize in those kind of procedures. And we're slowly walking down that path of getting them to the point where they can have a second gender-affirming surgery. So while this might be an unusual request, it's something I see over and over and over again in this fetishization of feminization. And a lot of people are using this fetish, yes, for sexual gratification, but other people use these fetishes to explore their gender identity. Identities. And that's something that I believe should be encouraged. There's no reason not to explore what makes you who you are. And some people have always been uncomfortable with the gender norms of Western society. But I haven't even started to get into some of the super weird requests that I get. Of course, there is a popular fetish known as executrix fetish. The idea that I, as a female dominant, are going to do a bunch of terrible things to you and then execute you at the end. If you've heard me talk about things before, you know that I don't do anything illegal. So it doesn't matter how much you pay me, it doesn't matter how much you want it or how much you fetishize it, it would be illegal for me to kill you. So I'm not going to do that. But this is a request that I get all the time. So guys email me and say, I will give you all of my money, millions of dollars, just come smother me to death. And of course, I have to say no, because no amount of money is worth going to jail for. Being rich in jail, I hear, is not that great. So the executrix fetish is something that's perfectly fine to talk about in a fantasy context. And we all understand the difference between fantasy and reality. Fantasy means on the phone, I might say, yeah, and then I'm going to smother you to death with my boobs. But that doesn't mean I'm actually going to smother you to death with my boobs. That's a fantasy. And it is okay to have fantasies. It's okay to have elaborate fantasies about things that can never happen. Some of my favorite weird fantasies that I hear from guys are really about things that never could happen. It's not about ethics or morals or what I'll do or what they'll do. They are things that could literally never happen. One guy called me once and was like, 
Mistress Harley, my biggest fantasy is to get fucked by a centaur. And I laughed and I laughed because centaurs don't exist. So there's literally no way to fulfill this fantasy. Yeah, you can get a guy wearing a costume or whatever, but just like if I wear a police costume, that doesn't make me a police. So getting fucked by a guy in a centaur costume does not mean you're actually getting fucked by a centaur. I call these impossible fetishes that can only exist in the realm of fantasy. And that's okay. It's okay to fantasize about things that can never happen. But they also make me laugh just because people get so elaborate, so detailed. They have so much lust and desire for these things that could never actually occur. But here are some of the truly weird requests that I get. Ugly guys who want to be pimped out and fucked for money, which is amazing because never before have I seen someone try to sell something that no one would ever want to buy. Does anyone pay you for sex now? Are you so attractive that people would want to pay you for sex? Then what makes you think that I could sell you for sex when no one wants to fuck you even for free? (laughs) It's truly a mysterious fetish, but I understand where this fetish comes from. It comes from somebody who eroticizes the idea of being wanted. They want to be wanted. They want to be wanted so much that someone would pay them for the thing that they can't get for free. And it's kind of a reverse economics of supply and demand where they want to supply something that no one is demanding. So these are obviously people that have no understanding of economics or prostitution. So typically I just say, well, are you attractive? Are you beautiful? Do people offer you money for sex right now? And when they say no, I point out this idiosyncrasy of their desires with reality and they never seem to appreciate it. But that said, There are some sluts that are attractive and want to be pimped out and live in countries where that is perfectly legal. So I sometimes make arrangements with those people to figure out how they can get this desire fulfilled. But obviously, it's not in a way that would compromise me legally or ethically. But the last super strange request that I've gotten is this guy used to pay me to come onto his computer and then he'd show me pictures of himself and he'd show me pictures of his mom and then he'd show me pictures of pornography and beg me to Photoshop his and his mom's face into the pornography. Think about it like deep faking incest porn where I would Photoshop his mom's face onto the person being fucked and Photoshop Photoshop his face into the person doing the fucking. So at the end, he would have this little fantasy piece of art where it kind of looked like someone way more attractive and built than him was fucking his mom, who was also way more attractive than his mom. Eventually, I stopped doing this because I just thought it was creepy and gross. And sometimes 
I have to discover my own comfort zones just by trying things, doing things. And there's nothing inherently illegal about it or unethical about it. He wasn't actually doing these things with his mom. It was just a fantasy, and that fantasy was becoming realized through these images. Also, Photoshop sucks. I don't want to spend hours Photoshopping your mom's face into pornography. It is creepy. So tops learn something about themselves just as bottoms do when you do these kinds of sessions. I learned that that was too far for me and I had no desire to engage in it. So I just cut that guy off and said, you're creepy. I'm never talking to you again. And you might be surprised how many men I cut off because they're too creepy and I don't want to talk to them again. Some people have fetishes that are explicitly non-consent based. And I don't mind when those fetishes are around the non-consent of the person who is eroticizing that activity. Meaning if you have a rape fantasy and you tell me that you want to be raped, okay, that's your fantasy. It's not really hurting anyone but you. And you're telling me you want to be hurt that way. It excites you to be hurt that way. It's your fantasy to be hurt that way. Okay, that's why we have a thing called rape play, which is the play acting role playing of that kind of scenario. But if you tell me your fantasy is for your girlfriend to get raped, that's a totally different story. That woman did not consent to that. That woman did not say that that's what she wanted. And for me to even sit there and talk to someone about that fantasy makes me feel gross because that's not okay. Involving non-consenting parties is not okay. So those are all the weird fucking fetishes that I hear about on pretty much a daily basis. And not every single one of these every single day, but let's call it like the best of weird fucking fetishes. So that's the end of Weird Fucking Fetishes. I'm always happy to answer questions you might have about fetish, sexuality, sexual exploration, or the life of a pro-dom. You can always reach me on my website at mistressharley.com or on Twitter at techdom. Really, you can just Google search me and find me pretty much everywhere. That's part of what being the tech dom is about. So make sure you subscribe to my podcast. Uh, You can support my podcast with money if you are so inclined. And send me your questions and maybe I will feature your question on the next episode. Stay kinky, y'all.